Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 125. Thank you for being here. And I am so looking forward to the show. Today, the shoe is on the other foot. And uh, Chris, my uber talented producer, is going to be asking me questions. So I'll be in the hot seat for a change. Let me pay the bills real quick. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? Over 101 tips on how to sell more mattresses and make more money in the mattress business. Best compliment I ever got from this book is from my dear friend, Doug Stewart. He said, take the word furniture or mattresses out of the book. And this is just a good uh, marketing book. Uh, And thank you to Steve and all my friends at the um, at the Mattress Industry Network Group, I I am a little tongue-tied because I have visions of Steve and his family stranded in an RV. And Steve, I hope uh, wherever you are, you're safe. I know you got stranded there for a couple of days. And uh, I really just so excited about you getting back home in one piece with your eight children and your lovely wife. If you are in the mattress business and you do not belong to the Mattress Industry Network Group, join us. This is where you learn how to help others build, market, sell, and succeed in the Mattress Industry Group. It is a group of, I believe, right around 2,000. It might be slightly over 2,000 now. Um, People who own furniture and mattress stores, anybody who's involved in the mattress industry, it's run by mattress retailers, which makes the group different. Um, Anybody in the mattress industry, if you own a mattress factory, you're welcome. If you're a VP of sales in the mattress industry, you're welcome. If you're a sales rep, you're welcome. Um, If you're a sales pro working a retail floor, you're welcome to join. So join us in the Mattress Industry Network group. Tell them Pete sent you, and I'll look forward to interacting with you there, even though I don't have very many spare minutes in a week. But uh, thank you so much. And without further ado, Chris, welcome to the show, and it's role reversal today. (laughs) Pete, thanks for uh, getting me up and making me shave today. I appreciate that. I shaved my face for this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, always a pleasure to join with you and chop it up, Pete. And uh, the floor is open for those of you who uh, have your questions for uh, Pete. And Anita Knapp says, oh, no. So uh, I, she doesn't have a question, but I think this is related to Steve's being stranded, maybe. That, that, the comment came in and, and she was saying, oh, that no. That is Jen in Oklahoma. Hey, Jen in Oklahoma. How are you? Yeah, he had a tough week last week. I hope it's going better now. He might be home. I'm not sure. So thanks, Jen, for being here. Awesome. Oh, yes, it was. So it says Anita Knapp, but her name is Jen. Okay, I'm not following that. What's uh, That's part of her email. Oh, okay. Awesome. I am She's glad doing you're well. doing well, and I'm so glad you joined us. Do you have any questions for us before we get started? Yeah, anyone that's uh, in uh, watching the show, we've got some folks viewing from all over the place on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and YouTube. If you've got any questions uh, right now, anything about the mattress industry, I don't know, what Pete had for breakfast, 
uh, you know, let us know if he, if you, you went to want CrossFit. To you, you don't want to know. <laughs> I did get my CrossFit workout in. That, that part was good. Did you do anything over the weekend around uh, Father's Day or... No, my girls, they're in California, So, uh, but they called me and wished me a happy Father's Day, and I need a nap. <laughs> I need a nap, too. <laughs> nap sounds good right about well, now, did, but wait until after course. the show. I did, uh, yes, <laughs> after the show, Jen, after the show. Um, so I did, uh, I mowed the lawn, I did my garden, I did laundry, so... I did the basic stuff. Uh, double check my plans for the week. The usual, the usual stuff. How about you? Did you get a chance to see your kids? Yes, I did. Both kids are uh, both boys are home and got to spend the entire day with them. Um, and just uh, you know, my one of the gifts that I got was uh, a Blackstone uh, grill. Uh, that uh, and you know, I have an, another girl downstairs, but I was I was eyeballing these these Blackstone griddles because I make these Philly cheesesteaks and it's a little bit of trouble to do it on the grill to do these Philly cheesesteaks that I, that I love to make. And so they, they got me that. And so I got, I spent the entire morning putting that thing together. And of course you got to season it and you got to do all of that stuff. So I spent time doing that with my, with my boys and going and, and getting all the food and, and uh, my wife, uh, you know, liked to say, Hey, I wish it was father's day every Sunday. And then you could cook dinner like this. So <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really cool to just kind of be able to do that and just sit back and let, uh, you know, let the family bless me and and hang out and just, you know, spend time with them and have fun and talk about uh, old times and make fun of each other and bust each other's chops. So it was a good time. It's a beautiful thing, brother. Beautiful. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right. What you got? Give me a question. All right. Here we go. First question that's come in from Confused in Ohio. Okay. Oh P2023 is off to a rough start. I own three sleep shops in Ohio. Only one is really producing. I've pulled back on advertising. What would you do if you were me, confused in Ohio? Um, I wish I knew more confused, but let me, let me break this down a little bit. Um, a lot of how you react to getting off to a rough start has to do with your mindset. And I would encourage you to double check your mindset. Are you unwittingly poisoning yourself? Are you too attached to the news? Are you feeding your mind with good stuff? Um, so want to make sure that your head's where it needs to be. Here's where my head's at. Um, for some dealers, 2023 has gotten off to a rough start. Actually got off to a really good start for the first month or two, and then it kind of tanked. Um, and so I think I surprised us how good it started. And then it tanked a little bit, and everybody seems to be doing something a little bit different. So. You said you had three stores. You said one is doing well. So that's very good. By the way, this is not uncommon. So, so here is um, one of the things that I'd like you to do. And you may or may not like this, uh, but I would rotate my salespeople. 
and I'm going to tell you why. You could have a true superstar that is just holding the one store up, or you might have your worst salesperson in your best store, and you have no way of knowing. You're assuming that the best salesperson is in the best store. That is a wrong assumption. So I would rotate my salespeople. Um, and I'm going to tell you another thing, and you may not like me to say this as well, but if you're asking me for my opinion, I'm giving you everything that I know from 41 years of experience. I've been in a situation where I rotated salespeople and what I found out shocked me. The people, the salespeople that I thought were great were not. And some of the other salespeople, when uh, they came from a low performance store and were put into another store, really just took off. So a few thoughts on this. Um, number one, if you keep a salesperson in a low performance store and they go to work every day and they go, ugh. I'm not going to get any customers, blah, blah, blah. You're going to end up burning that person out mm -hmm. and you're going to make them bad salesperson. So get them out of that store and rotate them. I'm assuming you have a staff of, uh, if these are sleep shops, can you pull that back up? These are sleep shops. Okay. So I'm assuming you have a staff of four to five people, uh, salespeople. I would rotate these salespeople and I would really evaluate what's going on in the store. Um, the other thing that I want to address is this. Um, you, you, you said that you're pulling back. I know that this is really easy for me to say because it's not my money, but don't pull back. And if you have to, really, really evaluate what you're doing and go all gorilla. And when I say go all gorilla, I mean go all gorilla. Well, hello, Hunter. Do you want to be on the show today, pretty boy? You yeah. said gorilla and then the cat jumped up. That was no, amazing. It's like on cue, right? <laughs> so he very rarely makes an appearance, but I hope he's not mooning us. Anyway, no. um, Kind of works huh. with the uh, with the Battlefield Alliance logo and the uh, <laughs> in the background. There's all kinds of animal instincts and gorilla and all kinds of stuff. I'm sorry if I interrupted, but no, Pete, no, no, I, no, Pete, no, I've got no. a I've got a question because you, yeah, do you feel like complacency uh, when things were going well or were status quo for a while? Um, you think that's an issue? Is like people get a little too comfortable, fat. Maybe I'm not, I shouldn't say that in 2023, but they get a little bit too like things are going pretty well. So I think things must be, I must be doing okay. So I'm just going to continue to do the same things instead of switching it up. And now when things are going bad, it seems like damage control. When we, when we get on the other side of this things and, th and things go well for us, should we continue to switch things up and try new things in order to make sure that we can accommodate for the ebb and flow of how business goes, in your opinion? Wow. Great question loaded. Um, so at the beginning of COVID, we all thought we were going out of business, right? Yeah. That's what we thought. And then we opened back up. And quite frankly, a lot of 
dealers in Ohio never closed. Most of mine didn't. I was very blessed. I was very blessed that I had a handful of uh, manufacturers that could continue to deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, So we thought we were going to go out of business. We didn't. When we opened back up, it was like the floodgates happened. It was unbelievable. And then we ended up with shortages. And then we ended up to this day now, we have inflation. We've had shortages. Now the supply chain's better than it's been. Still not 100%, not all the way back. Um, so I really want to ad- address this. And, and it's really important what you said. Our, our salespeople were writing so many sales that we stopped training them. Shame on us. Shame on us mm. and reps and shame on you as the owner of a retail store. Never, ever stop training your retail salespeople. Never, ever. You got away with it for a year, a year and a half. Understand that you need to train, train, and train some more. The advertising muscles also atrophied. You stopped advertising. And you got away with it. And now you think it's okay. But it's not okay. Mm. It's never been okay. In my 41 years, except for that brief period of that year and a half COVID burst, now we have to grow up and be businessmen and women again and be the marketer of your business. If you have my book, I constantly talk about that. Be the marketer of your business. And, and some, uh, of of you larger retailers who are watching this and you're the CEO and you're like, I could be the marketer of my business. I hire people to do that. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If you hire people to know that, to do that, to execute that, shouldn't you be an expert to know how your dollars are being invested? You need to be able to spot check your advertising and know if it's good or bad if you're a larger retailer. And the fact of the matter is 90% of all retailers, the owner is the marketer of, of, of his or her business. They're also the janitor of his and her business. There are a lot of them are doing their own deliveries. So, um, your sales and advertising muscles, uh, went a little soft in the last couple of years. And I think that you really need to work over time to, um, to develop them and to embrace the challenge. And, and listen, uh, I've been through the same ups and downs as, as you have. And uh, I have some advantages when business gets tough. I can open more new dealers. Uh, it's harder and it's much more difficult for you to open more stores. Um, some experts would tell you to really grind in on these numbers for the three stores and, um, probably lose the most, uh, the store that's losing you the most money. I don't believe that that's good advice without knowing for sure how the personnel are influencing, uh, the business and who is really your number one salesperson and who's really maybe a lost cause. And I am a big, big believer in consistency and management. You have to manage your people 
with consistency in everything that you do. And that means reminding them of their job description, reminding them when they don't hit the metrics that are expected, showing them how to do it, or having your sales manager show them how to do it. And over a period of time, if you can't get them where they need to be, then you look at replacing people. But until you know for sure that you have done everything a human being can do to give them a good job description, to give them good metrics to meet, to give them the tools to meet them, and to model those tools, and to give consistent feedback. Because sometimes people are like, everyone's different. And you'll put in, you'll put in, you'll put in, and it seems like it's going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, boom, you've got a sales superstar. Well, you've got a sales superstar because they were always getting a little bit better and you weren't really paying attention to everything. And then it just started to happen. Um, but it happens over time. And either they're getting better or they're getting worse. And even your best sales professional, he or she, even if they're producing at record rates, maybe even more so, they need your attention and they need to know that you're paying attention to their numbers. Yeah. And that, yes, believe it or not, the paycheck isn't enough. It's not enough. Understand this. People want to be appreciated. They want to get a pat on the back and they want to know that what they do makes a difference. And if you can bring those top performers into conversations about the direction of the company, the direction of the advertising, the direction of the yeah. merchandising, you are going to be much more effective as an owner. You're going to get great insights, number one, because they're on the floor more than you are now. <laughs> and number two, they're bought in. Even if it's a crappy product, if they told you, you should pick it up, guess what? They're going to make it work because it's their ego on the line. So I'm a big believer in getting everybody involved. And when I see stores that aren't performing as well as they should be, I always encourage you as an owner to look inward. And I yeah. know sometimes it feels like you're drowning. I know that you're doing a hundred different things. But if you just focus on two things, I think what Chris brought up is huge. Focus on sales training and focus on advertising. Too often, we want the answer to be merchandising. Oh, I'll put this new line on. I hear this new line is great. It's the bright, shiny object of the day. And it's not. 90% yeah. of the time, you've got to fix what you've got broken. And yeah. I would encourage you to do that. And yes, in some cases, I would encourage you, please reach out to me and we can do a deep dive on this. Whether we do business or we don't do business uh, is, does, doesn't matter. I just, uh, I've been very blessed in 41 years and I love helping, um, I love helping store owners, uh, whether they're in my area or they're not and you happen to be in my area. So let's continue the conversation. I hope I gave you some... Uh, yeah, this is why this is why I love the show, uh, Pete. Is like uh, you and I could probably talk for three hours about management, um, and you and you 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 
like veered off the road into the management thing. And I was like, Ooh, and I'm th- I got, I'm like, I'm making mental notes. I have three more questions and Maggie Burroughs. Thank you for uh, smashing the love button over on the Primo furniture sales, Facebook. Maggie Burroughs. Hey, I love you, Maggie. We, we see you uh, out there. If anybody's got any questions for, uh, for Pete, Pete, you brought up something about managers and, you know, one of the great things about being able to, um, produce this show is I get to watch and listen to it a couple times a week, actually, because I have to edit it. And um, you get to choose the work uh, as an entrepreneur. And um, and this is something that helps me. And, and I, I get to benefit from <clears throat> some of the greatest sales leaders, managers, and people in this industry. Um, and one of the things that's always brought up when we're talking about uh, leadership and managers and, you know, enabling people. And you've got Jeff Janakovo at Gardner's Mattress and more who talks about what you said, where you have somebody on your team, have them feel like they have a vested interest, like something was their idea, because then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I came up with this uh, collateral material for this retail store. I'm the one who kind of came up with this concept, even if they technically made like it was an idea that you had give it to them, like, you know, enable that person to make them feel like they were a part of it. But you did bring up um, people that, you know, may not necessarily be the best top performer and others that are top performers that are on your team. As a manager, as someone who's been around other managers, great leaders, not just bosses, do you feel like when you're working with someone who's not a top performer, and you're working with others who are top performers, where do you cut the cord in terms of the amount of time that you invest as a manager and as a leader in someone who is not a top performer versus someone that is? Because that's always, whenever I was a, when I was a manager, when I was over at Sony, I had my boss pull me aside and said, you're spending too much time trying to have this person be born again. And there's only so much you can do and it will hurt your performance if you don't work with those who are top performers. Hmm. Uh, and you're, you're spending too much time on these lower performers. You've got to know when to, you can't save this person, right? You've got, you've got to do your best and, and hopefully manage them to success, but know when you cannot. Yeah. I wanted to roll that out to you just because I know you've had plenty of experience there. Yeah. Um... If there's one mistake that I have made uh, more than once consistently throughout my career, it's this idea of saving people. Um, Mm. But I still believe um, that I have a responsibility to anybody that I'm associated with and that they are under my management. Um, so here's where I'm gonna, I'm going to leapfrog to the, to the answer. And anybody that's watched my show already knows the answer. Um, and when I say it, this is what I'm saying to my, uh, person under my care, under my responsibility, under my leadership, find new and creative ways of screwing up and you'll always have a job at Primo Furniture Sales. Find new and creative ways of screwing up and you'll always have a job at Primo Furniture Sales. 
But if you prove to me that you cannot learn and you keep screwing up the same way, you are going to be fired. And I started that when I was chief of security in college. And, you know, I, here I was, I was a student chief of security from the end of my sophomore year through the end of my senior year. So guys that I played football with, guys that I went to school with, guys and gals, um, I had to fire them. I had to hire them. I had to coach them up and then I had to fire them. And I never had one say anything other than this, Pete, I'm sorry. Mm. And I always fired people with the same exact words. If you were me, what would you do? And they all said, I would fire me. Unfortunately, that's what I have to do. I'm sorry. And then they, they always said they were sorry because they knew. And basically, I told them when I hired them exactly what the job was. I said, if we get to a place where we have three written reprimands, it's over. And, uh, so that's that's where I put in. So so to kind of go into some gray areas, here's some of the things, the litmus tests that I look for, Chris. Okay. Are they reading books? Are wow. they trying to get better? Are they asking me good questions? Are they inquisitive? Do they have a passion for the business? Do they care? Do they really care? And do I see it? manifests itself in emotion at times because if someone is flat with me all the time and I never see any emotion, any passion, first of all, I never should have hired a person like that. Right. Uh, because that's not who I am. Yeah. And, um, I can't stand to be around people like that. <laughs> and I would never, knowingly bring in a person into my business that wasn't absolutely passionate about our business yeah. and didn't love helping people. Yep. So I those are the I people that are going to get better and become better performers, right? They're the, they're the inquisitive ones. They're the ones that want to get 1% better every day and right. they're, they're doing everything they can to do it. I think a lot of times if you either inherit high performers or hire someone that, you know, is a high performer, but they don't have these other qualities you're talking about. They're not really invested in it. They're not really inquisitive. They just are, you know, just good and maybe they know it. You know, give me 10 uh, people that are curious and want to do better and want to work hard and want to improve themselves and want to improve others around them. Give me 10 of those people as opposed to one high performer, because you can turn that person, those people, those 10 people into high performers, I think. Th yeah. That's that's the challenge, really. Yeah. And, you know, those are the building blocks that high performers have. And mm. the yeah. minute a high performer loses that, loses his or her passion, loses his or her energy, loses his or her ability to execute the basics that got them to the high performer level, they're toast. And, and it happens, you know? Um, you know, I'm 62. I'll be 63 in a couple months. And 
I have more energy than most 20-year-olds. And I have more passion than almost anybody at any age. Um, so, you know, what's what was once considered elderly in our industry and, uh, you know, the beauty of youth. Well, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of young people with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. I hope I see them. And when I do, I always point them out and I always give them encouragement because uh, we need that in our industry. Sometimes when I'm at market, Chris, I'm like, what is this? The land of the living dead? I mean, these guys, they're like 80, 90 years old. They can barely walk. I'm like, put a gun in my, put a gun in my head. End it. It's, you know, it, but anyway, I digress. Uh, great points. And, 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 and I will say this to you, Chris, I'm guilty of throwing somebody on my back and trying to run across the end zone with them on my back. And what happened to me as a result of that is I end up hurting myself, hurting my performance and, and actually cheating the other members of the team and not giving them the time and the attention they deserve. So that's the other really wicked piece to being a, a manager of multiple people. One requires an extraordinary amount of effort to the point it's not fair anymore to the rest of the team. So that's another way to look at it. I lost you, dude. Sorry. Sorry about that. I'm muting myself to, uh, to, uh, you know, let the wisdom flow through, but, uh, you know, Pete, you are a, uh, you're a, you're a humble person. Um, and so, um, but I have the mic right now, so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, throw a little something out there because you were talking about people who, you know, like 62 might be, you know, historically considered elderly and, you know, you just went through some major surgery. I've got pictures that you sent me of your scars and, and uh, all kinds of things. If you want me to pull that up, you know I can pull that up, but I won't. But I think it's a testament to you, sir, that you um, you're you're walking the talk here. There's no um, you know you can get on here and you you give people tough love and you tell them you've got to do this that and the other. You got to power up and you're bringing inspiration to this industry. And here you went through. There's a lot of people at age 61, I guess, at the time maybe that had a surgery like that and are like, you start to question, do I really need to be doing this? And the question, and, and the answer probably for you, you don't need, you could still live and, ha and have a wonderful life and you've got wonderful people around you and probably have enough money to sail into the sunset, but you're doing this and you continue to do this and you continue to get yourself better. So if I don't know if that's inspiration for if you're 30 years old, if you're 20 years old or if you're 70 years old and you're listening and watching to the show, I think, sir, and I know I'm embarrassing you. I can tell because you're a very humble person. You're like, Chris, get to the next question. I know, I know you, I know what's going on, what's firing between the ears there. And, uh, but I think it's important that your audience knows, uh, that and can hear that. And I know they see it. I, I, you know, see and hear the comments from Scott Vaughn, from Jeff Giannacovo 
from Guy Danes. I don't know where's where's South Africa's not in the house today for some they probably reason. Probably got but, a brownout or something's going on. Yeah, exactly. That that's probably <laughs> the only reason why. Either that or they found out I was going to be on the screen. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they love you. But uh, but I just you know I wanted to say that Pete because I think I think it's important that people understand you're not just you know showing up and talking. You know you've been on you've been on the you were on the road all last week. I should know because I had a uh, microphone cable shipped to your house. You weren't even going to be there because you were you were running. You're in Pennsylvania uh, this week, and um, you are you are walking it, sir. And it's it's appreciated and it's noticed. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, I'm very, 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 very blessed and very lucky, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm probably living a bigger and better dream than I ever thought I would. Uh, so uh, awesome. Thank I'm, you. Thank I'm you. I'm done Father. embarrassing you. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to the let's get to the longest one. This is a two-parter for the screen. So I'll uh, I'll read the first part and then read the second part and leave the second part up. Uh this is from Desperate in Idaho. I'm frustrated. My stores are not making their numbers. My salespeople are miserable. To make matters worse, they hate selling mattresses. Holy smokes. And here's the, uh, uh, yeah, here we go. I own, I own furniture stores in the last few years, and I thought we turned the corner regarding mattress sales. We are going backwards, and I need to stop this regression. Any ideas, Pete? Desperate in, uh, in Idaho. Uh, I've Desperate, I have some ideas for you. So... First of all, I want you to know this. Um, it is not uncommon, and it is pretty much really par for the course, that furniture store salespeople despise selling mattresses. It's, it, it's always been that way. It might always be that way. Some stores have made some he headway on it. Um, I'm going to give you a couple possible solutions. Um, and I want to share a story with you. So we know that a good furniture store can do up to 20, 30% of their total business in mattresses. My gut feeling, if you're watching this right now, you know, feel free to jump in. I'd love to know, are you at 5% or 10%? And the reason I'm saying that is because there's no way you're at 20 or 30 because at 20 or 30, they love selling mattresses. All right. So I know that from, from my experience. Um, I learned this very early on. So I came from a furniture store background. Um, when I first got out of school, I worked in um, a furniture store doing a GOB, which was an education in, in and of itself. And I could probably write a book just on that. Um, and then I went to some sleep shops. I worked at a sleep shop for a little bit. And then I spent the rest of my retail career selling in furniture stores, managing furniture stores, and uh, being a sales trainer in furniture stores. So out of my nine years um, in retail, most of those nine years were spent in furniture stores. Um, and I was the anomaly. 
I was the, the different one. I really bought into the fact that I can change a consumer's life. And when you look at the, the three, uh, three-legged stool of wellness, it, it's very simple. It's nutrition. She put into your body. It's rest. And most of that is sleep. And then it's exercise. And those are the three components. When I started in CrossFit, the biggest component they thought was exercise, then nutrition, and then rest. And now they have turned that triangle all the way upside down. They believe the foundation is rest. The biggest part of that rest is sleep. The next most important thing is nutrition. And I'm so, I, so guys, this is what I got to see this. So I draw pictures. See, I, I have to draw pictures to keep myself, uh, <laughs> keep my, keep myself from uh, going off course. Nutrition and exercise is the smallest and it's at the top. And uh, any elite athlete, whether they are, you know, an endurance athlete or a strength athlete um, or a skill athlete, they will all tell you, you know, unless their nutrition is right and unless their rest and recuperation is right, they can exercise all they want. And all that's going to happen is they're going to get weaker and slower. So same's true with your mind. Your, your mind is the most important muscle in the body. Uh, it controls everything. And if you don't get the right rest, you don't get the right nutrition, and you don't get the right exercise, you're not going to be productive over the long haul um, as productive as you could be. So why did I just go off on that tangent is for a very simple reason. I, as a sales pro at retail, bought into that. And that's what made me learn about selling mattresses and becoming the best mattress salespeople in my chain of the best mattress salesperson in my chain of stores. That was my personal uh, passion and mission once I learned those facts. And I think you have to try with your salespeople to express that to them. It might be standing on your head. All you need is one champion. So I want you guys to write that down. One champion. If you can get a champion in your mattress department, all the rest of the salespeople will go. She's not that much better than me. He's not be that much better than me. If she can do it, if he can do it, I can do it. So work on finding a champion. Okay. And the other thing that I would say, and this is... Um, I'm going to bet money that you don't have a selling system, whether that would be comfort selling, technology selling, um, you're, you don't have a sales system. I, I can almost bet money on it. Um, chime in if, if you, if you do and tell me what that is, and then I'll give you a diagnostic on that. Um, so you've got a you got furniture stores, you are making progress, and then it stopped. And I think it goes back to what Chris said. The last question, 
what happened in the last year and a half? We stopped doing sales meetings. A lot of us stopped advertising. Now, I'm sure you're advertising again, but have you really kind of got your salespeople up to snuff with sales meetings? And, and now, let me tell you something. A sales meeting could be the worst thing you ever do. I just said it. A sales meeting could be the worst thing you could ever do if the presenter is born, lacks knowledge, lacks passion. You need to find people who are passionate, who can connect to your people and help them become better salespeople. Now, it's great when your vendor can provide that to you, but a lot of vendors can't. Some of the biggest companies in the world right now have the crappiest sales trainers. It used to not be this way, but that is the sad state of affairs right now. And if you need to hire, you know, a Bob Munkle or an Andrew Carrington, um, that's what you need to do. So commit to sales training, commit to a process that works with your salespeople. And I want to tell you a funny story. I went, I started to notice this thing with furniture stores. I didn't understand it because of my background, because I was the number one mattress salesperson at my furniture stores. And I thought everybody was passionate and I was just better than them, which wasn't the case. My passion made me better, right? So put that aside and, and look at um, your, your, your sales team is not telling you something. And they're not telling you something because you didn't ask the question. Now, I asked the question every furniture store I called on for my first five to 10 years as a rep. And you know what the question was? Well, let me tell you what I did first. I dismissed the owners and the managers out of the meeting. I said, I'm sorry. And I know that I didn't discuss this with you before, but you guys have to leave. I need to have a heart to heart with your salespeople. And then I asked the question. I'm sorry, I'm I'm muted. That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do is to tell, hey, I'm sorry, uh, I didn't tell you guys this, but you're going to have to leave so I can talk to Um, your sales. That's not easy to pull off. No. You need trust in order to do that. But uh, anyway, I digress. Understand that we didn't get to the place doing the sales meeting without them being absolutely sold that I was the guy with my line and my training that was going to transform their matches business. Mm. So, so basically this, I said, everyone's gone. It's just us. And I'm not going to repeat what anyone says here. Tell me the truth. What is your favorite thing to sell in the store? And don't say what I want you to say. I'm a mattress rep. I'm here to train you on mattresses. We all know that. Tell me the truth. Upholstery, upholstery, case goods, not one mattresses. I said, what do you hate to sell? And be honest. Almost every hand goes up. Mattresses. I hate mattresses. I hate selling mattresses. I hate selling mattresses. 
And I'm wow. like, okay, enough. Now, let me ask you this question. Why do you hate selling mattresses? Well, I can't memorize all those specs. Uh, you know, I don't know what makes this one better than the other one. And I'm like, yeah, 100%. So let me ask you a question. If I could show you a way of selling mattresses that created a closer bond between you and your customer and allowed you to know so much more about your customer that you could sell them every category easier and better. And they trusted you and saw you as a professional instead of just a person showing them a selection of furniture and mattresses that you really cared about them. They saw you as somebody who was really an assistant buyer. You were helping them make their purchase. If they believed that you were doing this for the right reason, if I showed you a way to do that, would you be interested? Hands. Every hand, every hand. They're they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I would go into my my shtick. And, and and so this is what I'm asking you. You got a furniture store, several furniture stores. Um, I've encouraged you to create a champion. I believe that you're between five and ten percent of your overall volume. You're nowhere close to 20 or 30 percent. I don't believe you have a sales system. I could be wrong. Chime in. And let me know if you're watching. Um, you need a sales system and preferably you need a vendor who is absolutely passionately focused on you building your business. And here's a question I want you to ask all potential suitors. If you're looking for a new manufacturer of mattresses, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is he or she capable of helping me grow this business with my salespeople? Will this person connect with my salespeople and are they committed? Because if they're not committed, you're in trouble. And, and, and you know, here again, a potential merchandising fix, then unless you fix the, the advertising and the sales training, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So I'm going to show something to you that's a little bit crazy. I showed this to every, every customer starts here. You see that? I got five beds. Every customer starts in the middle. What's in the middle? A 30 ILD bed. That doesn't mean anything to me. A medium firm bed. You ask your salespeople one question. Do you want it plusher or do you want it firmer or is it just right? If. Your customer, can you see this? Whoop. There. Oh, there we go. If they like it firmer, bring them to the next firmest one out and ask them between those two, is that absolutely perfect or would you like it a little firmer? 
I would like it a little firmer. Then you show them the next one. Well, the next one, that is like a board. That is what we call an Asian or an Indian firm. Please, Asians and Indians, I don't want to hear it. Really, I, I don't want to hear it. It's just something that we say in our term, business. term, industry term, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's not, I, I love Asians and Indians. I love your food. I love everything about you. It's not, not a negative. It's just you like firm mattresses and that's true. The opposite is true as well. You go from uh, the middle, which is a medium, to a plush. Which one of the two do you like the best? Well, I like this one, but I think I might like it a little softer. Well, the next one's a marshmallow. And if they like that marshmallow, the sale is made. If they push back into the middle, they push back to the middle. There's five beds there. This is a concept that Steve Carnes came up with at Bed and Industries of America. And when I saw it, I said, that is beautiful. And if you own a furniture store and you need an easy sales system, this is the one for you. Five beds, all the same basic specs, all the same price, all different feels. Hmm. So it's not, you know, this one's got latex and you should buy it because it's got this doohickey or that doohickey. The only difference is the way they feel. And so we're taking price out of the equation and we're taking technology out of the equation and we're getting the customer to just focus in on comfort, which if we properly diagnose comfort, we're almost all the way home. The next thing we have to diagnose properly is support. If you diagnose support and comfort together well, you're going to make a lot of mattress sales and you're going to have a lot of happy customers. And I hope that answers your question. If not, 419-560-3169. Call me. I'm happy to help you. I don't care where you are. I don't care whether you're a prospect for me or not. I'm here to help. And if you are going to the Vegas market, you want to ask, you want to go to B1119. That is Bed and Industries uh, Vegas uh, showroom. We're in B building on the 11th floor, B1119. Ask for the Fabulous Five. That's the name of this collection. I heard a rumor that we're renaming it. Um, It really should be named the Sleep Diagnostic System. Um, But that is a great little selling system right there. And uh, I'm going to be in Vegas and I would love to meet you, even if you're outside of my area. So, when is that, Pete? Uh, that is at the very, very end of July in the first okay. couple of days of August. Awesome. I would just, I would just add one thing and I know we have other questions to get to, but we're, we're rolling up here, uh, heading to the top of the hour and there's, there's a number of other questions, but I would say this is, is, uh, Desperate in Ohio, in Idaho, those that the the fabulous five is that what you call them the fabulous five is that fabulous five yeah amazing practical um, knowledge in order you know for specifically for for this for the mattress industry but this can apply to lots of different industries you know it, it could be another product not related to comfort but if you have the variations 
in that in that pricing structure it's it's amazing uh what you know it's got my mind thinking about how i can apply what i do in that kind of situation but and, i will say this because desperate and i has talked about right here you see in the comment the salespeople are miserable right they're not making their numbers yeah okay that's great practical advice but like if that person is miserable meeting that person on the sales floor and walking them to a sleep system if they're miserable, that customer is going to feel it, right? And they may not, they may be less apt to trust them walking them through a sleep system uh, like that. So I would say while you're applying these practical techniques, make sure that what's happening in the six inches between your ears, uh, in, in that they're invested in this and they want to help people sleep better and live better, right? And so there has to be that mindset there or man they're sleepwalking you down the aisle here and we you know we got to we got to make sure that uh you know nobody's going to you know no, systems aside no matter how great the fabulous 5 is if that person's not into it that salesperson's not into it yep you're just going to get lucky to get that commission yep one thing that i would say as a store owner when you say your people are miserable you have to ask yourself a very difficult question. And I ask myself this as well. Am I contributing to their misery? I know why they're miserable in general. They're not making any money. But how could I make it less miserable? When's the last time somebody told a joke in our store? When's mm. the last time we cut it up? When's the last time I brought in homemade chili and we made a mess of the cafeteria? I, I, I'm just making it up off the great. Now I'm have hungry. Have fun with your people. They, you spend so much time with your people. You probably spend more time at your store than you do with your family. So really, they are your family in a very real way. And Make sure they're having fun, as much fun as they can. They want to make money. You want to make money. But in the meantime, let's make sure that we're doing everything we can to support each other. And going back to some of the things that we were talking about earlier, if an, if an employee feels like they're shaping the direction of the company, if they feel like they have a voice, they're going to give you more than they will and that has nothing to do with pay. It's just the way human beings are wired. What's the next question? Oh, my Lord, we're almost out of time. <laughs> this is Mary. Uh, Mary says, I've been following you for years, Pete. You always seem to be positive. That is true, Mary. What is your secret? What are your favorite books regarding attitude? Sincerely, Mary. Uh, well, thank you, Mary. Um, Truth be told, I'm not always as positive as I'd like to be. <laughs> uh, I would say that I, I do have a secret. And you've heard other people talk about it. Um, so I was dealt some cards in life. My, um, my grandfather on my father's side died when he was 44 of a heart attack. My father died of a heart attack when he was 51. I think I was 22 or 23. When that happened, um, so I knew that 
no matter how well I took care of myself, I may not belong for this world. And at times might have felt like there was a guillotine hanging over my neck. Um, but I kind of turned that around and I very, very think when I was very young, I, I really was not as thankful as I should have been. Um, but I, life had a way of making me appreciate every day. Uh, and so I wake up every day and I say, thank you. And specifically I say, thank you, God, for giving me life today. And if there's a secret that that's one of them, um, good books is certainly on the list and I'll get to that, but I don't want to short shrift this, uh, gratitude is the foundation to a good attitude. Um, you, you have to be thankful for what you have. Um, and the other thing is I've made it a point uh, to feed my mind. And there, there's two different pieces to this. What I don't do is I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news. And when Jeffrey Gittimer told me this at a seminar almost 25 or 30 years ago, I thought he was nuts. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's How am I going to find out what's happening in the world? He's crazy. Right? Right. He's crazy. It's the best thing I ever did. <laughs> turning that damn thing off. I, I don't want to be as happy as they want to make me. And I don't want to be as sad as they want to make me. And I don't believe half of what they say anyway. So I believe in turning off the news. If you can't, or you think that's crazy, like I did, just try reducing it. Um, the other thing that I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to make sure you're paying attention to putting the positives in. And part of putting positives in is what you read. The other part is who you associate with and who you don't associate with. Yes. Um, stay away from negative Nellies and surround yourself with positive people. You show me a human being, any human being, whether they're in a great place or they're in a very dark place. And then you let me have at who are the five people that they spend the most time with. And that will tell me everything I need to know. So books, and we got to wrap this up. Mary, I'm sorry. Uh, you could have just about guessed it. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer's oh, little yeah. gold book of yes attitude. And, and so I am a visual person. And if you get this book, it's built for a visual person. Okay. Um, if you're in sales, the best book, um, and, and this book is absolutely just beat up. Uh, just it's 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 just beat the crap circled <laughs> and uh it's a mind for sales uh by oh, mark yeah. hunter oh um, yeah proud to call him a friend and uh a mentor you would, say, you would say that that book saved your life you've said that a number of times there was a there you were in a dark place pete and you he, you told that to mark face to face i remember that when you interviewed him well, two two pieces to that puzzle. Uh, one is that book was 
absolutely uh, fabulous. And it did change my life. The other thing that changed my life was Victor Antonio's. Um, he did it three days a week. And that's where I learned about you. And what was that? Sales After Dark, right? Sales After Dark, yes, Tuesday, sir. Tuesday, Thursday, and a Sunday. And uh, Victor Antonio uh, is just an absolute prodigy. He was in the same place I was, uh, yet here he was showing up three nights a week live doing a 10 to 20 minute training and then spending the next hour to an hour and a half taking our questions. And, uh, you were there every single one of those episodes. I'll never forget. I was like, okay, I know Gator's going to be here. I know Pete's going to be there. Um, (laughs) there was a, oh gosh, her name was Tina or I'm trying to remember her name. She was there. You guys all befriended each other. It created like a little community. TJ, remember TJ? Yeah, I remember. And and so the uh, you know this is this is kind of a testament to to community and consistency, right? Because you create communities within yep. communities. And right. you and I met each other because Victor was coming up on his 100th episode of Sales After Dark, and yep. I thought, well, I'm going to do something for Victor for his episode. I'm going to find his most diligent, consistent people who showed up, you being one of them, and see if they would record a video um, to to celebrate the event. And sure enough, you know, you and I were able to meet through that, and yep. Uh, yep. the rest is uh, is podcast history, as they say. The but yeah, rest that's a f- is history. But one other book. Oh yeah, Law of Success, Napoleon Hill, huge. Nice. Uh, anything by Napoleon Hill. Is huge, but this book in particular um, is a great book. Think and grow and rich. I find it today, uh, but there was a book called "The Power of Positive Thinking" by Norman Vincent Peale. Um, Mary, I had a guest on my show in the early days, Doug Stewart, dear friend of mine, and he bought me in the head with something, and he said, "Pete, there's no such thing as a self-made person." And I, it was like a lightning bolt went through my heart. What do you mean? I'm a self-made person. What are you talking about? And then that book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was staring at me. And it, it, it's in shambles. I mean, I've had it for over just about 50 years. I was 10 years old when my grandmother gave me this book. Wow. How many 10-year-olds get handed a book by their grandmother, The Power of Positive Thinking? Wow. How many? How many people? And then you're going to tell me I'm a self-made man? No, Doug's right. I'm not a self-made man. I'm a lucky man. Mm. And I think that's it. Gratitude. Who do you associate with? What goes in your mind? What goes out of your mind? Um, and I'll tell you what, a lot of people aren't going to like this. That's okay. You know what that is? Looks that, like a Bible, Pete. That's the Bible. And yours looks to be in good shape. Maybe you need to beat it up a little bit more. Maybe you need I to have, open that sword a, there. A very new one. 
uh, because my old one is so ragged that I can't even open the pages to it yeah. anymore uh, or it'll fall apart. You know, it's one of the, one of the greatest moments uh, for me after my mother passed was um, that she actually willed her Bible to my wife. Wow. And that thing uh, was, there wasn't a page that didn't have something underlined, highlighted. Everything was just, it was, some of the parts were falling apart, like some, it was coming apart. It's just like, when you see that, when you see like someone that had done that, and so, you know, my wife will pour through that and go, oh, your mom highlighted this. And, you know, and it's because it had something to do with you when you were young and she, she wrote, she would write in the margin, she would write how that, you know, and she just like used her Bible as like a workbook really. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible how, you know, people, you know, would do that. I would add, I know we're, we're, we're up hitting over the hour here. You're the producer. You can do whatever I know. you want. I can just brother. hit the eject button anytime. <laughs> but I would add two other books for mindset, Mary, just for for me. And you know, I know you asked Pete, but I'm on the show, so I I can ask. Uh, you know, I could uh, I can add two. And I think I think both of these, uh, Pete would agree. Seven highly habits of highly effective people. Yeah, Stephen Covey. Good. So, I mean, it's not specific. Hey, mindset. Um, but mindset is, is absolutely just in the DNA of this book. It is timeless. Um, it's evergreen. It's not, you know, you're not going to be you know, reading about, you know, things you can apply on the internet and AI and things like that. This is, this is a, you know, truly a, uh, a great timeless book. And the other one for specifically for mindset, and this is, um, believe it or not, um, Ricky Kalman is mostly known for being a, celebrity hypnotist, right? Of course, you know, and a comedian and a keynote speaker. And he's, he's worked with everyone from the Cincinnati Bengals to, um, the New York Yankees to, you know, IBM and, and Microsoft and everybody else. Um, but he has written this book and it's, it was fantastic for me. It also comes with, when you buy the book, you get an application for your phone and he updates the application all of the time. So there's all, there's, you know, things like, you know, music to help you with your mindset, uh, just, you know, mindset minutes and other things. So it's like, it's not just buy the book and, and then you read it and then you're done. It's like a thing that you could carry with you. So those are, those are two other books I would say, uh, are really good for, uh, for mindset. And some of the stuff isn't necessarily specifically sales oriented, uh, but I think is really good for, you know, if you're wanting to just improve yourself overall. Awesome. The uh, the only other thing that I would uh, throw in there, Mary, um, is a good diet. Just eating whole foods, not uh, overly processed foods, and exercise. And exercise, you know, Mark does a good job in the book. Just get something in every day, fifteen to thirty minutes. You know, you don't. It doesn't have to be hours on end, like I tend to do, because I'm just an extremist in everything I do. Um, but doing something for your health, even if it's just walking a half an hour every day is huge. It will help your mind. Uh, all, all of we're, we're all interconnected. I mean, you know, you, you, your mind, your attitude, your body, 
your soul, all of it's connected. And so you have to take care of every bit of it um, if you're really going to be positive. And, and you have to be because this world will literally beat you into the ground if you let it. And, and your job is to rise above that. Yeah. So thank you, Mary. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Pete. And I tell you, the people that are watching and listening to, uh, to this, including Mary, they're the people that get it. Right, they're they're the the one two percent that actually get it. If you're this far into the Pete Primo show, um, you you absolutely are in the in the right place. And yeah, Pete, man, as always, just been a complete joy. I can't believe it blew by as fast as it did, man. Episode one twenty five. It won't be long. It'll be like episode two hundred, and we'll be figuring out uh, you know what kind of celebration we should be having. We should probably do something for one fifty. What do you think? Up to you. Up to up you, to brother. Up to me. Up to me. Okay. All right. You're the producer. I do what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> Here, plug this cable in, Pete. Okay. <laughs> anybody, before we say goodbye, anybody that's thinking about doing a podcast and you don't want to do all the editing, all the work, and all the junk that comes along with it, don't. Hire <laughs> this guy, Chris Stone, and let him do the work for you. I literally Thank show you, up Pete. once a week for an hour. And that's it. Um, other than that, I do nothing. I, uh, I I work on my business and I I do not have to worry about the show being syndicated. I do not have to worry about it being edited. Uh, Chris does everything for me. And uh, I would highly recommend him to anybody that is considering podcasting. Do not let podcasting gobble up your life. It's important. It's great. And it helps you to show up in a way that a lot of people don't or can't or won't. And, uh, you know, that is a large part of sales, right? Showing up in different ways and making sure that your prospect knows who you are. And when they know who you are, if you're the right person and it's the right fit, they're going to do business with you, right? That's right, man. That's right. Thank you for those words, Pete. I appreciate it. And listen, if I didn't love doing it, I wouldn't do it. And you know that. So I appreciate what you, uh, what you do as uh, you're a large part of it. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, I, I enjoy editing shows when they're like this, you know, cause I get to go back and listen to some of the stuff I probably was, you know, not really paying attention to because I was reading Mary's question or I was pulling up something in the background so I can I can get it on the on the replay as I'm editing it. So thank you for that, Pete. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye.